You're listening to the What The Fab podcast, where empowered women empower women through candid conversations, inspiring stories, and tangible tips. I'm your host, Elise Armitage. I'm a digital creator, and I left my nine to five job at Google to chase my dreams of being an entrepreneur. I'm so happy to have you here. Let's get into some real talk. Hey, welcome back to the What the Fab podcast, episode 47. Today's conversation is a recording from a panel that I was invited to be on for Asian American Pacific Islander History Month, so API for short. And I was invited by Quotient, which is an influencer um, brand campaign platform. So you can go on there and apply for campaigns with different brands. I just did one with them for a sponsored TikTok for Aveeno. I've worked with them for brand, other beauty brands like Burt's Bees, um, lots of others that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But I have loved working with them over the years because their account managers are on it. They are super on top of things. I'm never like, they just have the system and the workflow nailed down. Like I'm never waiting around for like the contract or um you know, getting feedback on the drafts. And like, if they ever have had an issue where like, I'm trying to think there was something with a campaign that I did with them in the past. And the brand was just like, the, the brand was being difficult. It wasn't the quotient's fault. And I think they paid me a couple hundred bucks extra just for the inconvenience. And I was like, that is like top tier agency material right there. I just really appreciated that. They also, there are some, a lot of influencer agency, um, campaign agency platforms out there that just like, they pay shit. Like they pay pennies, not pennies, but it's like, oh, here's a few hundred dollars for an Instagram post. And it's like, what? My standard rate is like 2,500. Like, why are you sending me an offer for $300? Quotient meets my rates. They don't lowball. And I appreciate that. So anyways, they invited me to be on this panel with a few other Asian American content creators. And the conversation was all around being an Asian American in this space and also how brands can better diversify their brand campaigns, how I would like to be worked with as an Asian content creator. And first of all, I also want to say, I just appreciated that when Quotient reached out to me to be on this panel, they were like, this is a paid opportunity. We would like to pay you for your time and expertise and, you know, sharing your insights in this area. What is your rate? And I like take note if you are a brand, if you're an agency, if you are an individual looking to highlight and speak to um, influencers of color, people of color, whatever your industry you're in, and you want their advice and expertise, pay them. Like that was first and foremost. I really appreciated that. Um, And then second of all, just the way that they put together the panel and the questions that they asked and, you know, who they had as the uh, moderator, everything just felt like very thoughtfully done. And I appreciate that as well. So I will just 
go ahead and, you know, play the recording and you can listen in on our conversation. I'm also going to link to the other content creators and the other Asian American creators that were part of the panel with me. So you can check them all out. I'll link to them in the show notes. And just a reminder, if you have not subscribed to the What the Fab podcast yet, I would love it if you could do that. Just hit subscribe through whatever platform it is that you're listening through, and you'll get these episodes queued up and ready to go each week. All right, let's get into this conversation. Okay. Hi, my name is Leah Pentecost, and I am a creative project manager here at Quotient. I've worked here for about three and a half years, and I am so excited to host the third installment of the Quotient Creator Series as we honor Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. If you missed the first two, make sure you check out our conversations celebrating female creators and highlighting Black excellence. While there's still progress to be made to create a more equitable industry, we are proud to take these first steps in providing a platform for all of our creators to share important insights and speak their truths. The Quotient Creator Series was built to highlight not just our creators' professional expertise, but allow them to share personal stories, give advice, and embrace their true selves. This month, we're celebrating Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, a topic that's very important to me. But today, I have the great pleasure of speaking with four incredible creators from our Quotient Network. And during this open conversation, we'll be covering topics ranging from representation in the social space to ways we can empower and champion our community as content creators and entrepreneurs. So with that, Let's jump in and introduce our partners and hear more about the type of content they create and how long they've been a creator. So Elise, I'd love to hear from you first. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to be on this panel. And I love that Quotient is doing this series. And not only are you highlighting and championing these different groups that are typically underrepresented in influencer marketing or several other industries. I love that when you reached out, this was a paid opportunity. And I think that that's like such an important thing that you're not putting additional work on minority groups or underrepresented groups, but providing opportunities. So I just wanted to shout out Quotient for that. I I think it's really, really awesome. My name is Elise Armitage. I write the travel and lifestyle blog, What the Fab. And I started blogging in 2012. So it's been a decade now and it's just been (laughs) really exciting to see how both the influencer marketing industry has changed and also my own voice and the content that I create and cover and kind of, you know, moving into other mediums as well. I have a podcast now, I have some digital products, so it's just been really, I mean, it's a very fast changing industry and it's just been really fun to be a part of. Yeah, definitely. Vanny, I'd love to hear more about you as well. Hi, hi. It's so nice to meet everyone here. And first, I have to apologize for my English. I'm still learning. So I apologize for that first. And for me, I started this content creator thing when my daughter was like six months old. And now she's over five. So it's more like almost five years. It's almost five years. Yeah. And it's really cool to see where I'm at right now. I could never imagine where I'm at right now when I started it. So, and as a uh, an Asian creator, this is such an honor to, you know, speak with you guys and to see all the Asian creators and how they, you know, how, how they do this thing. Yeah, definitely. And I think your English sounds wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. V, I'd love to hear more about you. Well, it's nice to uh, meet everyone. So for me, my full-time job is actually um, an ICU pharmacist. 
I started my blog in 2010, Beyond Sweet and Savory, as a way to um, document my Vietnamese, you know, like our recipes. And then also, you know, focusing on seasonal ingredients, you know, food, dessert, because we live in San Diego, so it's really nice here. And we have a lot of farmers markets all year long. So I started that then and it evolved. And I think it's been really nice to see, you know, the interest in Vietnamese food, you know, with the media, you know, and all the articles publishing on it. And so it's been wonderful to see that evolution, you know, from starting over 10 years ago to now and how popular it has become. Yeah, great. And last but not least, I'd love to welcome Annie. Hi, everyone. My name is Annie. Thank you so much for having me. A little bit about myself. So I've been blogging for about five, six years now. And I actually started as a fashion blogger. And now I am more family lifestyle and travel. And I feel like it's so important to come together and talk about this because over the past couple of years that I've been sharing about this, I've just seen a just huge response from other Asian Americans when I'm sharing, you know, things about my Vietnamese family, even while they're speaking Vietnamese and no one's understanding, they can still appreciate just the fact that there are creators out there sharing about their cultures and their families. And I've really just kind of seen the response in that and just, you know, focus more on that. And it's something that I absolutely love. I've been doing this for you know, two, three years full time now. And it's definitely one of my favorite things to share about is the culture. And coming from, you know, Houston, Texas, where there's a large Asian community, I've just, you know, feel so welcomed in this space. And it's actually helped me meet people in real life and also, you know, just kind of share our experience in life together. So I love that we're doing this and I'm happy to meet all of y'all. And definitely, I think this is just really important to kind of focus and highlight. Yeah, I completely agree. This episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Flowdesk is an incredible email marketing service provider, and they are the platform that I use for my email campaigns for What the Fab. The platform is so intuitive and easy to use. It's very drag and drop. And best of all, it's aesthetic AF. The templates are beautiful, and you can easily add your own brand colors to it to make sure that your emails look and feel like you. I used to use MailChimp back in the day, but after trying Flowdesk out about a year ago, I was in love and I know you will be too. You can give Flowdesk a try for 30 days free. And if you want to keep them, which I know you will, you can use my referral link to lock in a 50% off price at $19 a month and lock that in forever. You can get this offer and try it for free at whatthefab.com Flowdesk. And that is spelled F-L-O-D-E-S-K. That's whatthefab.com slash flowdesk. I can't wait to see what stunning emails you create. Okay, let's get back to the episode. So now that we've gotten a bit of an overview of you guys as creators, I'd love to know what internal or external obstacles you face whenever, you know, you're getting started and you're creating your content. So for me, obviously, it was my English, you know. I came to the United States when I was like 18, 19, and with my English skill close to zero and I could never imagine myself creating content in a second language that is not my mother language and when I started I was like very very nervous and I am so glad that it turned out okay and just like Annie said you know 
I am so surprised that people actually appreciate the culture that I'm sharing. And especially that my family doesn't have anyone that is like a mix between, you know, other races, you know, other race, you know. And yeah, I think that's, that was my biggest obstacle. Yeah. And I, I don't think that there is one that coming from the outside. It's just for me being, in, you know, an Asian content creator. Mm -hmm. I think that like internally starting, you know, to kind of start this journey as a content creator, blogger, whether you just post on Instagram or write, it's learning everything on your own. It's, you know, especially several of y'all have started a long time ago when this wasn't really a thing. You, there's only so much that you can Google, especially, you know, it's like Google how to be a content creator. And I think that internally is really hard. And I've learned that you actually learn more from other people that are in the same space. Especially for me, I learned everything from other people. So I love that, even though it's hard internally to kind of figure out, you know, how to make this a job or like how to create good content, you know, understanding the statistics, the community overall has been really great. So that's a struggle, but it's also, you know, kind of learning that others can help you within. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, there's no manual on how to become a creator, how to be an influencer, but it's great that you kind of know that you can ask others for help or like, you know, everyone has a little bit of advice they can give. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I'll echo what um, Annie said also, because when I started out in 2010, back then we were just blogging as a hobby, kind of just taking a picture of our dinner or what we were cooking. So, you know, uh, for me, like I made my dishes like very randomly based on my feelings. And, and back then um, there was no guidance on, on, you know, SEO. And so, so now looking back, um, you know, a lot of us, we were just doing it blindly. They're, you know, moving, you know, toward the past couple years. And there have been a lot of different groups that are very helpful in terms of, you know, teaching you the basic. There's been a lot of podcasts. And also, you know, uh, paid membership for teaching you how to blog the right way. So I think um, it's a lot more defined now and uh, there are more people with experience that could help us versus before we were just doing it blindly. Yeah, definitely. I would say in doing whenever you uh, are creating your content and, you know, trying to figure out doing the right way or your way, do you have any tips or advice on how you kind of maintain your voice and stay your authentic self whenever you're uh, posting your content? And then Elise, if you'd like to start this one. Oh, um, sorry. I was going to, can I speak to the, the last question? Oh yeah, of course. I was just going to say that I think one thing that holds a lot of people back and that I definitely felt when I first was getting started um, is just the self-doubt and also kind of like fear of what other people will think. Like, what will my friends and family think? What will my coworkers think? And just kind of moving beyond that is, is an obstacle to get over. And for me, I just kind of remind myself or reminded myself that people are so, they're so busy and they're mostly obsessed with themselves. Like whenever I see somebody kind of like stepping out of the norm, doing something different, like, I don't think like, Oh, what are they doing? Like, that's so weird. I think like, Oh, that's interesting. Or like, Oh, I, I never would have thought to do that, but like, good for them. So just remembering that has been helpful. And then also I think the other kind of factor that is difficult is just the consistency. Um, especially when you're first getting started, it can feel like 
is this worth the, the effort? Is this worth the time and energy that I'm putting into it? Am I seeing any return on it? Because at first, you know, you can kind of feel like, like, is this thing on? Like, is anybody listening? So, but that kind of, you know, the growth that you're wanting to see doesn't happen overnight. So that consistency is just um, super key. And then to answer your next question about uh, you were asking about maintaining an authentic voice and working with brands. Yep. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think when I'm working with a brand, I am assuming that the reason that they're working with me is because they want me to share their, their brand, their product and the destination, whatever it is with my specific voice and my perspective. And so I just kind of try to think about how does this fit into my daily life? Like, how can I share it through my lens? And then this doesn't happen very often, but if I'm working with a brand and they're kind of pushing back on something, they want me to change something in the the caption that doesn't feel like me. I just let them know, like my audience is going to read this and feel like it's a bit off. And like, neither of us want that or a specific example that's coming to mind. I was working with the swimsuit brand and I did a, a carousel for them. And the first image was me wearing their swimsuit and I was diving in Maui and the most epic thing ever happened. I was swimming with a pod of dolphins, like in the wild, found dolphins, got a shot in my swimsuit from the brand with the dolphins. So that was the first image. And then the second image was more of kind of like a close-up of the swimsuit of me standing on the beach. And the brand wanted me to switch the order to have the shot of me standing on the beach as the cover image because it was more of a close-up of the swimsuit. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, did you miss the dolphins? Like there's dolphins in that first photo. And I think that explaining to the brand, like in that situation, having the dolphins with the swimsuit there as the first image is going to increase engagement, which means that it's going to increase the post reach, which is a win for all of us. Like you want more people to, to see this photo. And once I explained that they were like, oh, okay, great. You know, let's, let's go with that. So thinking about how you can also explain it so that the brand understands like, this is a win-win. This is how the post is going to be the most successful, which is what we both want. Yeah. I think communicating is key. It's like the most important thing that you have to do when you want to work with a brand. And most of the time that I work with a brand on agencies or a platform in the marketing campaign, they usually want to incorporate key messages into the caption. And um, lately I've been trying to minimize that because I know that my follower will, you know, skip it. If it's like too much in it, it's, it's not my voice anymore, like Alice say. Yeah, and coming from a viewer standpoint, you know, you can kind of tell when some posts are very like the brand definitely curated this po like post text versus I know this is the person I'm following. This is their voice. Yeah. Yeah. And that is why I've been follow like focusing on um, long term relationship more because that way I can, you know, talk about that brand more, more times, you know, and then I can touch on the key messages like in the long period of time instead of put everything into one post and you know that way it make it more authentic yeah definitely yeah i think you know this space is definitely instagram is turning more into an ad space and i think it's very important to still keep it very personal um like elise said like you know a pictures of you know a picture with dolphins in your bathing suit is more likely to reach you know times five, 10, that's more people that view it versus a smaller amount. And I think whenever 
brands want to just get their product out on a post and it takes up so much of the photo, it ends up flopping and it's essentially counterproductive because then now you paid all this, you know, money to have it, you know, advertise. It's not the way that the, that content creators audience want to see things. And so it's, you know, I think we ourselves know what our audience wants to see the most because we're interacting with them every day. We see all the messages, what they see and all the insights on posts that aren't ads. So I think that's really important to kind of, kind of fight back a little bit, be like, this post is going to, you know, not perform well, just, just so you know, like, I think that this should be the first post, but if this is something that the brand is really pushing for, just FYI, don't be surprised if it's going to flop because that's the reality of this. Yeah. You guys are the experts in your field here. You know what you're doing. So one thing I do want to open for everyone to talk about, uh, I would like to know how representation plays a factor in your guys, uh, content as creators and just yeah, how you guys work that in. So, you know, I've seen kind of like the evolution of, you know, the food industry and, you know, food blogging. So I think initially people kind of lumped all of the Asian food together and, uh, you know, people say like, you know, all the Asian people look alike. I mean, just recently with the Ali Wong divorce fiasco where they put the wrong picture of her husband in the news. So there's this misconception that, you know, most of the Asian foods are the same, you know, so something that is say a recipe uses fish sauce and someone will, you know, call it Vietnamese. But we also know that there are other groups like, you know, Thai people, Filipinos, even Korean, you know, we all use that. And so being a content creator, I think for uh, personally for me, then it's really important to kind of point that out to the audience and the brands that, you know, um, we are all these distinctive, you know, um, groups of people and we all have, you know, our heritage and our recipes that, you know, have been in existence for hundreds or thousands of years. And so um, we want to be able to pay respect to that and to distinguish that and let people know and kind of not just lump everyone together as Asian. So I think it's important to, you know, get that out there and um, to educate people because, you know, food is very political sometimes. Uh, and I'm sure in other areas too, uh, you know, there it's very political. So in a way it's kind of divisive, but we can also use that as a tool to bring people together and to share that commonality. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think food is honestly one of my favorite ways to bring people together. Hold up. I have to tell you about my new What the Fab presets. I finally launched digital product and let me tell you, it was a lot harder than I expected it to be, but I am so excited that they're live. They're available. You can shop them on the website. You can just go to whatthefab.com presets to see them in all their freaking glory. <laughs> These presets are something that I have been refining and tweaking over the years. And after almost a decade of being a travel blogger and lifestyle blogger, I'm finally making them available to you to purchase and to use on your own photos. So whether you are a full-time content creator or this is your side hustle or you just want beautiful aesthetic photos for your feed, I'd love for you to check them out. Presets are honestly a game changer. 
using Lightroom presets has really optimized how I'm able to edit my photos. It makes everything cohesive and beautiful and branded so that when you see one of my pictures on Instagram or Pinterest, you know that it's coming from What the Fab. And you can have that kind of brand cohesiveness too by using the presets and tweaking them for your own skin tone and style. They also have saved me hours upon hours of editing photos. I mean, it used to take me half a day to go through, you know, hundreds of photos from a shoot. Now I can just do it within one or two clicks. And then if I'm using desktop, batch sync it across all of the photos. It's amazing. Like I said, game changer. And these presets are, they're light and airy and will make your photos look beautiful, whether you're shooting on an iPhone or in the raw on DSLR. I've got the mobile pack. I've got the desktop pack. So there's something for everyone. If you want to edit just on the go, the mobile pack is a great option and you can use Lightroom mobile. The app is free. So that's a really great option for someone who's doing this as a side hustle or a beginner. And then if you are building a brand, um, maybe this is your full-time thing, you'll probably want both the mobile and the desktop versions because then you'll be able to edit on the go on the app, but then also really like sit down in front of your computer, do that batch editing I was talking about, and just have that really cohesive vibe across all of your photos. So I hope you'll check them out. And I'm so excited I have a little gift for you. So you can get one of my mobile presets for free. Just go to whatthefab.com slash free and you can get my World Traveler mobile preset for free and you can use it on the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. And the World Traveler preset, I've used it on every type of photo imaginable. It's light and airy and beautiful and just makes you look glowy. I've used it on selfies, date night pics, home decor, food, um, my friend's kids, and of course my jet setting travel pics. So I know that you will love it. Again, go to whatthefab.com slash free to grab that free preset for yourself. Enjoy it. Love it. Use it. I can't wait to see what kinds of photos you create with it and be sure to use hashtag WTFab presets so I can see and share all my stories. All right, let's get back to the episode. Vanny, I'd love to hear from you uh, and your thoughts on this. Um, I think that it's, it's really interesting to see over time, you know, like five, six years ago, whenever I saw all these brand partnerships, you'll typically see a huge push. You'll see within one week, you know, brand, I'm just going to use a color, red is pushing out 15 ads this week and you can see who's posting them. And it's funny to see how five, six years ago, they all looked alike, you know, whether that's their ethnicity, hair color, whatever it is, they all looked alike. And so now it's really nice to see that these brands have kind of diversified themselves and have acknowledged, okay, you know what, if we have, you know, $50,000 to spend on ads for content creators. We do need to, you know, find Asians, you know, Blacks, Caucasians, things like that. And I've seen it. And it's also, you know, an opportunity to capitalize on that as well, because we are all different and, you know, we should all be paid at least, you know, equally more learning what you can offer is really important. So for my family, we, um, my children are half Vietnamese, half Caucasian. So um, I feel like it's really important to share both sides, you know, our Vietnamese lifestyle and also, you know, more of my husband's side. And 
I, yeah, I think it's just important, you know, using those hashtags that you're an Asian content creator and to engage and support other Asian content creators is really important as well. Yeah. I think that, I mean, white can so often be the default. And like Annie was saying five, six years ago, it definitely was when you're looking at influencer campaigns that would launch. So just putting myself out there is important for that. And then also just not being afraid to speak about issues and use my platform for conversations other than travel guides and sharing fashion. I mean, I love both of those things, but I also think it would be a waste to not use my platforms to talk about other topics that are really important to me as an Asian content creator as well. So for example, last year when we were seeing hate crimes against Asian Americans on the rise and there were those targeted shootings in Atlanta, I knew that that was something that I wanted to speak about. And so I did a podcast episode talking about the situation with several close family members and friends who are all Asian American women, um, which was first of all, just like very cathartic for me, um, but also hearing and seeing the response from it was pretty awesome. I mean, it, it was obviously very different than my usual content, but like I said, I, I feel like it would be a waste to not use my platform to further those types of conversations. And I mean, I heard that the episode was used as a um, discussion topic and springboard for a media class at UC Davis. And my husband was joking, like, did you ever think that what the fab would be required reading or listening for like a class at UC Davis? But it was just, it was really exciting and fulfilling to see how that conversation was sparking other conversations around an issue that is obviously really important to me and, you know, everyone in this, on this panel. Yeah, definitely. And for me also, you know, see, content like that was what I really needed to see to just like you know, understand that I'm not alone in this, that, you know, there were hard things happening in the world, but I was not the only one going through it or feeling a certain type of way. And that it was just really inspiring and helpful to hear all that. Yeah, I think it, it creates a space. I think everyone, you know, can feel it, but they just don't know how to express it. And when one person opens the door, then people can feel like they can speak or they can have conversations and kind of get their thoughts out there. Just, just relate, you know, is a really big factor. Yeah. All it takes is one conversation. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then like, I'd like to talk to you guys about how your content has evolved from where you started, you know, between five to two to five years ago or, and where you're at now, how, what have you learned and uh, how has your content changed as you've grown as an influencer? Absolutely make a uh, real video showing my content then and my content now. And it was, was like so funny to look at. And I think that I have learned so much. And uh, yeah, I think that my content has improved so much and I'm still learning and I'm still learning from you guys too. Yeah, I think that we are still growing and learning. Uh, I can go next. So for me, I think it's my content has evolved significantly. Over the five, six years, I started as fashion because that's kind of all I knew and all that I saw. And so in a way I did kind of post things, what everyone else was posting, you know, cause you're like, okay, everyone's posting about their outfits. So let me just start doing the same. And I think over, you know, the years, I now focus more on like just lifestyle and family. And for me, I started this in, you know, my goal was to make this a full-time career. I absolutely love it. And just to kind of see how it was pictures of me 
you know, at like a mall or like outside in my outfits to now it's more family related and, you know, just like the simplicity of life has been really amazing just because that's where I'm seeing the responses. You know, I see the most response whenever it's just family, children screaming, you know, just the house being a wreck or, you know, being just mom fail days is kind of what I share now. And I love it because that's where people are like, I'm so thankful that you posted that because I did this the other day and I felt so bad about it. And it's like, you don't have to feel bad about it. We're all, you know, we're all making mistakes. None of us are perfect. So that's how mine has changed over, you know, the past like five, six years. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. I think for me, um, I probably said it earlier, but when I started, it was like very random. And um, I think over the years now, as I kind of, I actually grew up in Vietnam and uh, came here at the age of 10. And so for a period of time now, um, as I'm getting older and with my boys, I'm trying to, you know, cook more Vietnamese food for them and also kind of introduce them to our culture um, so that they know, you know, their roots. And so in a sense, um, over the past few years, I think my content is becoming more focused where it's not just random anymore, but it's really trying to you know, teach people about, you know, my culture, about a technique for a recipe, and then, you know, also kind of how do you adapt that to, you know, more of like um, where we live with our local ingredients and local, you know, cuisine, and and there's also this new, you know, fusion, you know, um, so it's kind of exciting to see that transition where these recipes aren't encapsulated in time, but it's, you know, um, evolving, you know, our culture is evolving and our people are evolving and it's kind of nice to share that perspective with people. Yeah, definitely. I just wanted to go off of V. So like, I am not a big cook and whenever I do want to cook Vietnamese food, because I can't have my kids, you know, growing up on like ham and cheese sandwiches all the time. And my parents coming over to cook their food, you know, there are moments where I am looking for authentic Vietnamese food to cook at home. It is actually hard to find, you know, that stuff that doesn't look like it was just kind of written up and simplified. So for me, like I would find that super helpful because I I definitely need some help in the space of Vietnamese cooking. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) I think that for me, my content has really evolved to include other verticals and uh, kind of content categories over the years. So 10 years ago, when I started, I was very focused on fashion and beauty. And I still write about those things. I still post about those things. But now it's a lot of there's a lot more travel content, like really in depth travel guides. And then with the launch of my podcast a year and a half ago, I was able to start talking about more kind of like life tips and also kind of started getting into more of like the the business behind blogging and just kind of following what my readers were DMing me about and asking me about, you know, how did you set yourself up to leave your job at Google and blog full-time? What are your best time management tips? What should be in my media kit? So that's been really fun and just kind of like going down that path has led me to getting ready to um, launch my SEO course because I've was getting a lot of questions about that. Like, oh, I I see you're showing up on the first page of Google for like best pasta in Milan or like best wineries in Healdsburg. How did you do that? Um, And so it's just kind of been fun and exciting to both transition my content towards 
you know, what I wanted to do, like I knew I wanted to do more traveling, but then also to listen to my readers and audience and like, okay, what, what would be helpful for you? Like where, you know, where should I take this next? So that's been really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. So for me, I, I, you know, I started this as a beauty actually a beauty blogger when I started this that's why my Instagram name is Vanny Beauty and um, now I'm more like lifestyle family travel content creator and um, what I meant when I say that I have been growing a lot is that I pay attention and I focus more on the you know the quality of um, the content like using more equipment gears to you know create a better content over the years. Great. And so um, looking back on your times as creators, do you guys have like a biggest win or, you know, a really great moment that's happened to you as a creator? Yeah, I, I think my biggest win is that if I'm not doing this kind of job, I would not, that there will be some experience that I would not think that is necessary for my life. And I would not choose to try it out and being a content creator I get to try that out sometimes for free and sometimes it's paid and it's really awesome and after trying those experiences out and I think it's really necessary even though that you are not doing this kind of job you are not a content creator and yeah I think that's eye-opening yeah definitely for me I feel like I have had a lot of really great opportunities to work with brands but my biggest win would actually have to be like my DM. So, you know, for years you're like posting and posting and there's just not a lot of like conversations happening. And so for me, seeing how I receive, you know, messages and now over the years I've, you know, messaged people now for two, three years, we, you know, I've, they've shared about, you know, some just like really deep stuff. And for me, like that's a win because, that's like why I'm here. And that's what I enjoy the most. is just like having conversations with people because it could feel like you're posting and no one's seeing it or no one is like actually engaging into it. So for me, it's just the relationships that I've grown with, you know, my followers. And it's really fun to run those polls. It's like, how long have you, you know, been here three years or like under one and to see the people that have been here for so long and they may live, you know, 3,000 miles away, but it feels like if we met in real life, we would be like friends and hang out and do all that stuff. So I feel like that's the biggest win for me. I think I'm the same as uh, Annie, because for me, um, it's been about the connections that I've made with, you know, the people that follow the blog or Instagram and I get messages or pictures of the food that they made, you know, from all the different recipes. And some of them, you know, share really personal stories or they've said, oh, you know, my printout is now stained and I know, you know, I need to go print out another, you know, copy of the recipe. So I think to be able to connect um, with, you know, the audience and to see um, my recipes being a part of, you know, their kitchen or their dinner table, it brings me a lot of joy. And I think that's the best part for me is the joy it brings, you know, um, me for this journey and also for for the people, you know, who cook those recipes. I think that for me personally, like leaving Google and to blog full-time was a really big 
win for me as an individual. And then, um, I mean, the, kind of the theme that I'm hearing from everybody is like just the impact that your work and your content can have. And yeah, anytime I am tagged in a story or get a DM, that's like, I read your travel guide and I did X, Y, Z from it. And we had the most amazing honeymoon or whatever that is. That always feels amazing. And then hearing people, you know, I've had, especially during the pandemic, getting messages like this podcast episode changed my life because it changed my perspective. And I am going to quit my job and do, you know, what I truly want to do. Like that gives me chills. Cause it's like, that's, that's a, you can't like quantify that impact. That's like very, it's just really exciting to me and makes it feel like all the time spent, you know, nights and weekends before I was doing this full time, like just doing it as my side hustle and trying to get the content out there and be consistent. Um, it makes it feel all like very, very worth it. Yeah. And so I know we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd love to hear about your guys' advice for brand managers. Um, you know, what would you like to see to change about how brands work with Asian creators and, you know, stuff like that? I think it's a fine line between being inclusive and straight up tokenism. Personally, when I'm filling out a survey or an application to work with a brand and they have, you know, check boxes and they ask for ethnicity, I sometimes pause because I'm half Caucasian and half Japanese, but when looks at me, they see an Asian face, even though genetically I'm just as much white as I am Asian. And I also don't want to be selected for a campaign just to be the token Asian representation. I want to be selected because the brand loves my content. They appreciate my photography, my unique voice. And, you know, the brand thinks that we would be a great match for a partnership. And I have actually been accidentally CC'd on an email before where the brand was saying something like I was quote, good for inclusivity and that sucks. So I think brands can think about it in terms of who's a content creator we haven't worked with before that has a unique or different perspective who may represent communities that are traditionally underrepresented in our previous campaigns and influencer campaigns, rather than having a box to check, like, okay, we have one black creator, one Asian creator, one Latino, you know, so just trying to ensure that you're having a, a diverse group of voices with unique perspectives. Yeah. Pick us for us and not because just because we're Asian. And I think to echo what Elise said, you know, when we saw the Black Lives Matter and, you know, the Asian hate crimes, then we see an uptick in a lot of these kind of like online uh, publications and also companies trying to, you know, in a way react to that by bringing in more of the um, color content creators. And I think for us, um, I feel like it needs to go back to the root of the company where they would need to do like a regular evaluation of, you know, is there diversity within the company themselves? And then uh, how do we kind of translate that to working with the brands and also making sure that they understand um, the importance of diversity in these campaigns and having, you know, um, creative, um, you know, um, color um, creators to be involved in that so that they could reach a wider audience rather than checking the boxes that Elise um, talked about. Yeah, I have actually been experienced that, you know, the things that Elise said that um, so specifically I applied for a Hyatt 
a hotel campaign and they came back, came back asking me, um, is my husband Asian too? And after I say, yes, he oh. is. Yeah. And then they immediately denied me. So I, it hurts. And it feel like um, I totally understand that their um, marketing uh, goal or campaign goal is to be um, diversity and to be, you know, to make content that feel related to their consumer or the you know but um it hurts so <laughs> yeah that's what i experienced recently <laughs> yeah that's that's really hard i think that it's sucks. yeah i think it's really hard because it's like you know deep down we we do kind of realize that they are looking for x numbers of asian content creators you know blacks whites hispanic people and i think it just needs to be a little bit more careful i have several close, you know, friends that are also content creators and like we talk and it's funny to see how, you know, this brand will reach out to me and another Asian content creator. And they're like, okay, we would love to send you in to the client for it to get approved. And you'll see that one of us has been chosen. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's my friend, but it's very obvious that they just needed one of us, right? Because we're both Asian, both from the same city. So I think mm -hmm. it's like, they just need to be a little bit more careful about that. And it's like, you know, just give more opportunities, not just pick one and see which one the brand wants the most of a category for Asians, a categories for Caucasians, X, Y, Z, because I mean, I, I mean, I've seen it several times. So I think it's just, you know, to be a little bit more just like open about it. And just at the end of the day, we're not going to know, but just to be, I guess, fair and equal about the decisions that they're making, not just because of the way that we look and stuff like that, just mostly on our content and, you know, engagement, this, the actual stats of it. Yeah. And I guess from what I've seen is brands typically have no problem having, you know, multiple white people from the same area, but whenever it's two Asian people from the same area, it's, we have to pick one or the other. And I'm yeah. like, I don't see why. Yeah. And I think they don't think that we know that, but it's, I mean, I have seen it. So, you know, if we see it, other people see it. So definitely. Well, I want to thank you all so much for sharing. I love that we have the space to talk about these types of things. And one last question I have for you all, um, if you would like to share another Asian creator in the space that you would like to, you know, give a little shout out to. Um, for me personally, I am actually trying to become a pilot. And so you know, whenever I first started, I had these kind of, you know, self-doubts. I wasn't sure if like I could do it because I was like, I don't see other, you know, especially eight women, eight Asian females um, doing this and they're not as prominent. So I was like, not sure if I could do it. But then I saw her name's uh, Cooper, the pilot. And I was seeing she was doing something that I wanted to do and even more beyond that. And it was just really inspiring to say, yeah, there's someone who looks like me, who's doing what I want to do. And I don't know, it's just, influencers have a lot of power and I don't know if they realize that or not, but like, I think you guys are all very influential, obviously, because you're influencers, but I want to say thank you because you guys really do. Like you're someone to look up to your role models, honestly, for people like me. Thank you. <laughs> so for, for me, I have been um, inspired by a girl who um, is creating content about um, showing people how to do photos, how to create videos, how to create content. And I think that um, she's very helpful and her content is 
absolutely beautiful. And uh, her handle is a drum. I'll, I'll spell it because it's in Vietnamese, like T-R-A-M-N-B-L-E. And she's absolutely gorgeous. And her style is more showing more of a Vietnamese girls and how Vietnamese girl in Vietnam looks like. So that's, um, I, I love that about it. I love that about her a lot. So I want to give her a big shout out. Uh, for me, I, my friend Hong Kim, her handle is uh, H-K-C-U-N-G. I absolutely love her. She is Vietnamese. And um, for me personally, like I feel like I'm very Americanized. I can't write or read Vietnamese. I can't obviously cook Vietnamese food. So it's really amazing to see her page is because she public, you know, she shares she's a Buddhist and she just had a wedding and she put so many traditional Vietnamese values and ceremonies into this wedding. And she's constantly sharing, you know, just educating others on why do we have this ceremony? Why do we do this? You know, this is the day, you know, that, you know, a great, great grandfather passed away, but we still celebrate it today, but it's not a celebration. So, you know, it's stuff like that, that she shares and absolutely why I love her. I would like to shout out my friend Ellen Yin on Instagram. She's at Miss Ellen Yin. Um, she is amazing. She's a first generation Chinese immigrant and she runs a million dollar company helping service providers make their first 10K month. Um, and whether you're you know, a, a service provider or a content creator influencer, she shares so many just great tangible business tips. And she's a huge proponent of financial transparency. So she actually was my inspiration for starting to publish quarterly income reports on my podcast, which has been a huge like hit with other influencers because there aren't a whole lot of, you know, female influencers in the space that are publishing their financial reports and like breaking down their income streams. And, you know, you, you don't know what you don't know, five years ago, I didn't know that I could make as much money as I do just having ads on my site and focusing on SEO. And somebody told me that, and now that's a whole new revenue stream for me. So, um, that's something that she has really championed and speaks super transparently about. Um, and so, yeah, she just gives really, really great business advice. That's great. For me, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to Betty of Stems and Forks. So basically, uh, she's just an amazing photographer. In her previous life, she was actually a florist. And then she transitioned to becoming a food photographer. And she also has this background in music. So in a lot of her reels and uh, her pictures, she uses a combination of you know um, floral design, food photography and musical instruments. So it's very, very different from a lot of the food photography out there. And if you get a chance, just visit her Instagram and you just be amazed at the, her reels and the, um, all the images that she puts together. And she's always stays true to her roots and she's just very kind and supportive of the whole food community in general. That's awesome. Well, I want to say thank you so much to you all again for sharing and joining uh, this uh, open discussion. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you to everyone watching and joining us for this chat. Be sure to check them all out on social media and check out their spotlight sections on the Quotient Creators website. Also, keep your eyes out for our next roundtable discussion. But until then, we'll see you guys later.
Big ups to Quotient for inviting me to be on this panel and for putting together such thoughtful questions and conversation. I really enjoyed being a part of it and meeting and connecting with a few other Asian American content creators along the way. I also wanted to mention, I um, spoke about this episode in the panel, but episode 16 of the What the Fab podcast is the one where it was shortly after the targeted shootings in Georgia, in Atlanta, um, that myself and a few of my close family members and friends hopped on the podcast and just talked and vented and shared our thoughts and feelings and reactions. And at that time, I got a lot of feedback that um, it was really cathartic for other Asian American um, women who were listening. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, highly recommend it. It's number 16. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I would love it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe through whatever platform you're listening through, give it a share, take a screenshot, and share it on your Insta stories. Tag me, I'm at WTFab. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And with that, we will be back again next week.